I'm Laura Gentry Williams, and you're listening to Adopting It Forward. Adopting It Forward allows people to share their adoption stories in order to encourage you wherever you are in your adoption marathon, from bystander to runner in training to participant. Enjoy today's story. Hey everyone, welcome to our last episode of 2020. I know a lot of us are not going to be so sad to see this year go. (laughs) Next week, all of our kids are meeting in Colorado for a week of skiing and playing with babies. I can't wait. As we celebrate the miracle of Christ's birth this coming week, please pray, especially for the vulnerable children of the world. There are so many without homes and in unsafe situations. On today's episode, I sit down with my new friend, Joy. Joy is a homeschool mama to five kiddos, four bio and one little cutie boy from Burundi. Joy and hubby Brian are church planters, and they're about 18 months into their adoption journey, so things are starting to settle in a little bit. Joy and I both had had a very full day before this interview, but I'm so thankful she could squeeze me into her busy schedule. So now please enjoy my conversation with Joy. Okay. Hi, Joy. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. So welcome to Adopting It Forward. And you're my friend's friend. So I've heard about you and your little boy and you've met my kids, I believe. So tell us about yourself. Yeah. Well, again, thanks so much for having me. Um, it's exciting to be here on um, Orphan Sunday, which is really cool. Um, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually celebrated that this morning. So I feel like all of this is fresh on our hearts today. But yes, I'm a, a friend of a friend. And we have, my husband's a pastor, church planning pastor. We used to live in Arlington, felt the Lord calling us to plant a church about 10 years ago and moved down here to Mansfield to plant the Fields Church. So we have four biological kiddos and then have adopted one time. Our oldest is 14, and then we have an 11-year-old, 9-year-old, 7-year-old, and then Samuel, who is adopted, is five. Samuel's been home now for about a year and a half. So I homeschool all five, which is my full-time job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love to bake, love to cook, love to run. Not really good at it, but it's a, it's a time of worship and stress relief for me. So it's important. (laughs) Me too. I'm a runner too. I'm not very fast, but yes, runners unite. Yeah. I'm running after all these years too. I'm like, no, no, I need it. Don't mess with my knees. I'm just, yeah, I have to run. (laughs) So true. We have to. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I didn't know you had that big crew of kids. Yeah, so you guys have church planted. Had you ever church planted before? No, before that, my husband was a youth pastor. So we got married when he was in school at Southwestern getting his master's degree. And was he was a youth pastor for several years and felt like God was calling us to step out in faith and plant a church. And so, so yeah, it was exciting. 
Yeah. Wow. That's great. So you guys have been in the Mansfield area for a little bit. And so did you always feel like adoption was in your family plan or how did that ever get started in your family? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm one of three. My older brother is adopted. So it was kind of part of our family growing up, but we didn't talk about it just a whole ton. That was a long time ago. My brother's 48. So I feel like things were a little different back then. But when Brian and I got married, I don't think, sadly, that adoption ever crossed our minds or hearts at first. We, you know, we're having biological kids and um, but I feel like as we grew in our understanding of what God had done for us and came to appreciate his redemption and rescuing us and bringing us into his family as sons and daughters, when we really started to process that and grew in our appreciation of that is when we started to think about adoption, what it would look like in our family. And so at that time, we had four biological kids and just really started praying about it, doing research, thinking through international versus domestic costs, how it would affect our, our family. You know, was this even an option for us? Reading as many books as we could find about it. And then slowly, I just feel like the Lord, how, how he does, he just confirmed that calling over and over again through friends or through scripture or just, I feel like grew that call in our hearts. And so we ended up stepping out in faith and filling out the application. So where is Samuel from? He's from Burundi in Africa. Burundi. I mean, what led you that direction? I mean, did you just start out with this big, like span of anything, whatever? And then, yeah, good question. We we did. We kind of started out with just this huge, just, okay, Lord, here's the map. You know, what, what do you want? We, we really want, we really felt like we were called to international adoption right from the get-go. We had good friends that lived in Africa, our spiritual mentors at the time. My sister was committed to moving to Africa as a missionary. Brian had been on many overseas mission trips to um, Latvia and Africa So we really were pulled towards international adoption and we found an agency first and they kind of had a list of countries that they worked with already. So that narrowed down the amount of countries we could choose from. And then probably, as you know, several countries just weren't a fit for us having already four biological kids. I remember, I think it's Colombia. Their requirement was to go and live for like six months in country. And that just was not feasible for our family. Well, Uganda is the same way now. Mm -hmm. You have to be there a lot for, I believe it's a year or two years, depending. Yeah. So things like that, certain countries had financial barriers. Like I think China, there was a certain income that you had to make for having a certain number of people in your family. I think it was $10,000 per person per something. And so that kind of because Brian's a pastor that eliminated a few countries. So there was this pilot program for Burundi. It was brand new. Only a handful of people were in it. But at the time they were saying people were being matched within a year. In addition, we had older kids and our agency really feels strongly about sticking with birth order. So Mason was three at the time when we started the process. 
So the fact that they could match younger kids was a good fit for our family too. Hey, wow. So you started that with this agency and what were your, you said that you had an adopted brother. So what about your extended family? I mean, how was, was everybody like, woo, yay, we're all on board or was there a little bit of pushback? I mean, how did that go? I feel like we were so blessed. We're so blessed to have believing parents, you know, believing siblings. So they were all quick to embrace that and to be excited for us. I'm sure our parents were thinking, oh gosh, you have so many more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have four children already. Um, so I feel like from family members, not, not, we had an incredible amount of loving support. It was probably more people we would come up to us and say, but you already have four kids. Do you know that, right? <laughs> How are you going to provide for them? Yeah. Yeah. So what about your own biological children? How did that process go with them? Did you start out telling them at the beginning, this is what's happening? Or did you kind of work your way into that? Or how did you navigate like this is where our family is going to change? Mm, I think at the beginning when we were just praying about it, we didn't really talk about it a whole ton with them because we wanted, we didn't want to get their hopes up or we wanted to just pray. And we had read though, as a family, a lot of books about orphan care. We're really big on missionary biographies. And so the bi- biography of George Mueller, our family loved. So they were familiar with orphan care, had a heart for orphans. Our oldest, I remember kind of right before we committed to move out, step out in faith, our oldest Tucker at lunch one day just randomly said, mama, this year, I don't want you to get me any birthday presents. I don't want any Christmas presents. I'd really just like to use that money for adoption. And I was like, wow, God. All right, I'm ready. (laughs) So I think that they were, they were fully on board. They were ready to jump in. So Oh, that's so sweet. Well, I mean, that makes you feel good too. So as your process started, were there some roadblocks that you hit in there with the adoption as far as the legalities of that? We definitely hit some roadblocks. Like I said, in the beginning, we were thinking maybe a year and we'd have our child home and we thought he'd be under the age of three. And we ended up from application to getting um, matched with Samuel was about three and a half years. So that pilot program, yes, just to the match. And then we had some snafus with our government and the Burundian government. And I don't even remember. It was like an I-800, one specific form, and it just kept getting sent back over and over So it was about nine months from the match time to time when we could go get him. So it was a really long, it was a much longer wait than we anticipated for sure. Mm. What do you think God was doing during that three and a half years? So much working in the waiting for sure. As he always does. I feel like he taught us so much about his sovereignty and um, the will of God and how to trust him you know, with the really big things that are just completely and totally outside of your control. You cannot make 
committees meet to match families with children any faster than they want than they're going to. You cannot make paperwork go through any quicker. You cannot make the mail come faster or um, just all those big things that are outside of outside of our control. I feel like that was awesome to walk through as a family here on this side of it and cry together and say, you know, but God, we trust you. Ultimately, yes, we're disappointed. Yes, we we're bummed. We weren't matched again, but we trust you, God. So, so during that time, that three and a half years, there were kids that were being matched, just not with your family. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you knew that? I mean, they would tell you or so were they're like, here's a child and no, it's not for you. Or how did that go? Yeah, they would usually post and say or email everyone or call everyone in the program and say, hey, guys, there was a matching committee. Yay, that's great. We're waiting on the results. So then we knew there was a, a meeting and we'd have to wait for the call to see whether or not we were matched. And some of the you know families in the group were Facebook friends and things like that. So I could eventually see who they were matched with and the ages and things like that. And there was a time when I thought, you know, that's, that meets our matching categories. How come those are not our kiddos? And again, just having to say, God, I trust you. I trust in your sovereignty over this entire process from beginning to end. So yes, your kids were watching this too. They knew that kids were getting matched. I mean, y'all were y'all being having an open, open conversation about that with them? Mm-hmm. Yes, we were. And just trying to, it's a hard balance, you know, because you don't just want to say, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And pretend like everything's okay, because really you're hurting and you want your kids to, to know it's okay to cry out to the Lord. It's okay to be sad. But ultimately, in the end, we we trust that he has a plan and that his plan is good. Was there ever like, okay, this, maybe we heard wrong. Maybe we should go to another country or maybe we should go to a different agency. I mean, did you ever have that thought in the back of your head? Oh, absolutely. I feel like I was thinking about, I think one of the questions that, that you mentioned that you might ask is how would you encourage families? And I think I would just say, remember the call. Just remember the call, write it down, journal it, something. But when the times get hard, when you're rejected, when you're waiting so much longer than you thought you would, you do start to think, God, did I not hear you right? <laughs> you know, am, are, we, are we doing this wrong? Is there something, I remember even thinking, is there unconfessed sin in my heart? What is it, God, you know, that, I, that we're not doing right? But it's just... So oftentimes it's not about us, you know, it's just about learning to trust him and him taking the time to grow us. And I think grow our kids, grow our family. And also I feel like who knows what he did for, for Samuel when he was waiting as well, all the ways that he grew him. So it was supposed to be yours. Well, we had a time of infertility and I said that with our daughter who was born after a long period of infertility she had to be born right then because then she had to have these certain friends and there were all these things. And it's really cool to see God's timing play out. Yeah, that's perfect. I love the advice that you gave because all of us, I feel like that is one blessing with adoption. Everyone I've interviewed and talked to so far has said similar as far as there was a time that you can remember that you could go back to. 
And I'm just so thankful for that. I feel like we need those markers and I love that God gives those to us. And, you know, you sharing with your children, like saying, don't give me a birthday present. I just want this adoption to happen. How have other people kind of jumped on board? Well, I know my friend, Nicole, my neighbor, when we met her, she told us about you guys because we obviously have a, a family that is, you know, our kids don't look like us either. So um, she told us about you guys. And I think it was right before you were bringing your little boy home. But how have other people kind of come and partnered with you in different ways through this process? Yes, I feel like friends have been invaluable. And even just the church, the body of Christ has been so helpful. When we came home, someone had stocked our fridge for us. Our friends made meals. Nicole organized. Our friend, mutual friend, she organized uh, meals for weeks for us so that I didn't have to cook. And we were kind of doing the cocooning thing where we were trying to really just limit the number of people that came in and out of our house. So Samuel could know, okay, these are my, my people. This is my family. So just to not have to worry about cooking something so simple, but, but yeah, it just gave me that extra time to be able to spend with Samuel prayers. They were praying for us. We were gone from our biological children for 15 days. We had to be in Burundi for seven and then in Kenya for seven. So the total travel time was about 15 days. So grandparents and my friend, Nicole, they watched our biological children for us just support, respite care, just when Brian and I hadn't had time, just the two of us in a long time, just to recharge, just to step away and even just go get dinner because of that cocoon time and travel. And it's just, it can be very stressful. It's a very stressful time. So friends who provided respite care, who would just jump in, watch the kids for an hour and a half so we could go to dinner and come back was just amazing. So you're a year and a half in at this point, which maybe you're kind of coming out a little bit out of your fog a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I just remember the exhaustion of that first year um, is like newborn first year. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you feel like were some places that during that first year, especially that you, like you said, you brought him in like these, these are our people. This is what we do. What are some things that you did with him to kind of, I mean, he wasn't as old as our kids, but five is still pretty, he remembered his country at that point. So what did you do to kind of help him learn America and your family and all those kind of things? Mm-hmm. That's a good point because he, he didn't know a single word of English when we met him. He spoke a, just a native language called Kurundi. So it was a huge learning curve. There was a lot. And then the really cool thing is our God is so good that kids learn language so fast, especially when he's surrounded by four brothers or three brothers and a sister, four siblings that talk all the time. So, and we'll sit and read to him, but we definitely sat, tried to sit him on our laps as much as we could and read to him and have just that closeness with him was important. I forgot the rest of your question. Can you say the rest of your question again? Just some of the things that to 
bring him in. And like you said, to teach him American culture and different things like that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, just some of the things that you did to help him with that, to acclimatize, mm-hmm. I guess you'd say. Yeah, I feel like we're still learning <laughs> some of those things. It was interesting, some of the things that just from being in an orphanage in a country in Africa, initially, he would see a white person and just run to them and give them a huge hug. Random strangers that he didn't know because that's what he was used to. Visitors, white people would come to the orphanage and they would bring gifts and fun things and lollipop and they would, you know, take a kiddo home. So just having to to learn over time that, hey, that's not okay. And part of that cocooning process that we're the people that it's okay to run up and give a hug to, not the person that we don't know. You you know, we're the person that's okay to to touch and give a high five and things like that. Mm-hmm. Language, like I said, brothers and sister helped so much with that. Thankfully, he was he loved any kind of food, so food was not an issue. He was okay eating hamburgers and milkshakes. <laughs> yeah, um, so he was he was happy to eat all the the food that we love as well, which is fun because I love to bake. So I feel like that was a sweet gift from God. I had prepared myself to be okay if he didn't like the things that I made, you know, and that's understandable. But it's a sweet gift that he loves food as much as the rest of us. So, so I mean, you're still on the stage that you're getting used to everybody kind of maybe watching you and seeing your family looks different. And, oh, I wonder what the story is there. How has that been with the cultural differences with some things are being said that maybe you're a little bit unkind or maybe a, an odd feeling. Have you felt that or had conversations like that? Thankfully, not, not very much. They do train you well for that. I feel like the agency that we use, we talked about that a lot, especially interracial adoption. And because you're right, he doesn't look like us. So we definitely stand out, but we haven't encountered much resistance or many people asking us questions or, and thankfully no one has really ever come up and said anything. I've felt people staring at us before. I think that always makes a parent nervous when, when someone's staring at you while you're, you know, talking to your child or disciplining your child or whatever. But thankfully um, we don't encounter that very much. As he gets older, I think it'll become more of a definitely something that we'll have to continue to talk through if he hears things even on the news. Was your husband concerned, like a lot of husbands are, I feel like, about bonding with a child that is not his birth child? Did he have any of those kind of concerns or? I actually feel like it was, I don't, I don't think he had any concerns from, from the get go, but I do feel like it was easier for him to bond with Samuel than it was for me. I, I didn't think I'd have any problem at all. I thought I'd feel, I'd feel so motherly towards him immediately. Um, and I do think there was a level of that, but there's also a big part of being a mom that from the beginning, there's cuddling and closeness and that attachment that comes from holding your baby and, and that kind of thing. And I just kind of missed that. And when we brought Samuel home, he was so much older. He was rambunctious. He was constantly trying to climb things or open things or run away. Or <laughs> So Brian actually loved that. As, you know, it was, he was able to wrestle with them. He was able to throw them up in the air and catch them, you know, jump in the pool and play. All those daddy things that they love to do that are rough and tough. And I think 
at first just to get him to sit on my lap and, and read a few pages of a book. That was all he could stand to sit still for a little bit. So I think that that was harder for me. It was hard to to feel like that I was bonding with him in the way that I guess I was maybe used to. But I just tried to be intentional to rock him to sleep every night. And eventually he got used to that and, and we both really enjoyed it. And I feel like it was good for both of us. Yeah. Well, that's great. That, that connection of touch. And do you feel like now that you have bonded more with him? I mean, it's still, it is still new. It does take time. I mean, things can't be rushed, but you're a year and a half in. Do you think you have bonded more with him? I do definitely. And God gets all the glory for that because <laughs> that's just something you, again, you can't rush and you can't just force it as, as hard as I would try. I would just have to pray, God, help me feel these motherly feelings towards him. And I want them to be genuine. I don't want them to feel fake or manufactured. I want them to be real. And so I think it took definitely took intentionality on my part. Like I said, not just hoping and waiting and praying for it to happen, but intentionally rocking him and working on, you know, reading and trying to just sit in my lap for a little bit or taking the time to look in his eyes or rub lotion on him. Those kinds of little things I think were important for both of us. And I think now for sure it's not perfect, but praise be to God. I do feel like that we have bonded and are more attached and are just continuing to grow. Oh yeah. That was one of the things with our kids. I felt like too, that first year, there are so many things to teach. It's so overwhelming and we can get on task, you know, because I was that way a lot, just all the tasks that I needed to teach. And it's hard to, like you say, step back and just love them and that affection side. So that's good advice. So like you were, you were talking about before, but the show is called Adopting It Forward. How has your adoption story been a picture of what God has done for us? What are some, what are some things that you've seen? So many things. I feel like the, like, like you were saying, just the, the call from the beginning was just our growth and understanding of what God had done for us in adopting us as his sons and daughters and making us, taking us from being slaves, like Galatians says, to becoming heirs, co-heirs with Christ. You know, when when Samuel would throw a temper tantrum at the beginning, you know, they train you, they tell you that's part of the grieving process and that's going to happen. And and um, so when he would throw a temper tantrum, I feel like the Lord would gently remind me, you know, you do that too, Joy, sometimes, <laughs> you know. Um, I throw a temper tantrum and I, I want to cling to what I know. I want to cling to what is safe instead of trusting the Lord that on the other side, there's good for me. It was like Samuel, you know, wanting to cling to things from the past and not knowing where we were taking him and and that it was good and a good, happy place that he was coming home and, you know, throwing a temper tantrum to resist that. It's like what I do to the Lord. He's promised good for me, that I can trust him. Romans 8, 28 says all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and how often I can, you know, throw my fists in the air and, and want to rebel against that and don't want to change. I just want to stick to what I know, God, but he knows the good on the other side of it that he's calling me to. 
I think I can look back over the last year and was talking to one of the kiddos the other day and just saying, I think that it has been the hardest year of my life. <laughs> it is so hard. And he said, oh, mama, I'm so sorry. And I said, you know what, nobody, it's okay because I love Jesus more today than I did a year ago because every day I have to cling to him and ask him for strength. And he has met me in my, my weakness, in my darkest moments, and carried me through. And I am so thankful for the hard, because it teaches us to trust the Lord. Oh, no, that's, wow, that's a great word. It's so true. I, I'm feeling with you right now, because I'm seven years in, and you know, you've met my kids. They're, you know, they're awesome. <laughs> but that first year... Mm, two is just, I, I'm, I'm, I want to give you a hug so bad. We're on a zoom call, but I know how exhausting and just completely overly spent you must feel and have felt. <laughs> it's, 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 there's no other way to describe it, except it's just incredibly difficult and pushes you to every limit you ever knew that you had and and then some <laughs> yes yes how has the actual adoption story now that you're full on in up to here with it how has it been different than your expectations or do you even know probably in a lot of ways I don't know that I can name them all right now I do think one of the biggest shocking things for me was the bonding part because I just thought and even though they tell you that, and all the experts say that, but that could be hard. I think I just thought, not me. <laughs> um, but that was really hard. So I think that my expectations are not in the right place for that. I think I think I expected it to be a little quicker. And I guess when I say it, I maybe mean bonding. I also mean just the learning process. I think I sometimes just have to remind myself to slow down, give him a break. He's He's only been home for a year and a half. And, and just to remember where we've come from, I think is helpful. Like you were saying, those, it's almost like the stones of remembrance that God commanded the Israelites to put into the river, like to go back and remember, tell your children, this is where we came across. And, and to look back and to say, wow, Samuel doesn't throw temper tantrums anymore. He's learned an entire language in a year and a half, and he can carry on a full conversation he had to leave everything that he knew and everything that felt safe and just trust two total strangers and get on a plane. And all those little things, I think, are good to just go back and remind ourselves, wow, look how far God has brought us. Uh, it does feel like we have still far to go, but look how far he's brought us. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody said to me the other day, they're like, well, don't expect thankfulness. You know, like we have these expectations because I, I don't know, we're like, I'm giving you a stable home and all these kind of things. And you think, oh, they're going to come in and be like, woo. I mean, and maybe they are for a little bit because there's an abundance of food and things like that, but it's, <laughs> they don't really, they don't appreciate it. I mean, do we appreciate what we've been given though? So. Yes, absolutely. So true. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, is there anything else that you want to share with, with the listeners? I think just to say that 
that even though it is so hard and it is so stretching, that it's worth it. I would do it again. Just like I said, just because of the growth that I've seen in our family, our kids, and my husband, Brian, and I, I would do it all over again. And not to mention, we've got this amazing little guy that we can call our son. I would absolutely do it over again. It's totally worth it. I know this has to have been hard on your marriage. How has it also strengthened your marriage? I think we've had to rely on one another more, probably. I think that it's wonderful to feel so supported as well. I feel like Brian's so good at coming alongside and saying, I support you. And even in the really hard moments when I would say, I really... I really don't know if I can do this anymore, Brian, you know, like I think I'm ready to send him back, you know, if I were just being honest, even though I never would, but that's what my heart felt like. It was just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And knowing I could step away and take a break and that Brian would fill in and that he would come alongside and he would be my helper and my support, a tangible support. <laughs> Good encourager, always being willing to share truth and love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is vital. I feel like in our adoption journeys, because in the really hard places, if you can tag team or you can just be like, you don't have to fix it right now, but I just need to tell you every detail of what my day was. I know, I know. I'm. It may sound like complaining. I'm just, <laughs> let me do it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's so true. I just need somebody that's adult to listen. Right, right. I don't, yeah, there, there's no fixing maybe needed here. It's okay. But I just, yeah, yeah. listen to this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like we've had a lot of people listening to these podcasts. And one of the reasons I feel like is that it just makes you to listen to other people's situations and they've had hard places and, and maybe even hard places in their marriage or um, relationships outside of their marriage and those kind of things. It's really important. I feel like to be alongside other people that are going through some of the same struggles. And even if you don't know them, just to hear them voice that. So I really appreciate you sharing because I know it's hard to do and you're exhausted, I'm sure, and you're homeschooling and all the things, but I just really appreciate you taking the time to do this, Joy, and I know that it's been a lot to me, and I know it's, I mean, your friendship with my friend Nicole has been awesome, and she has shared so many different things about you guys and your ministry, and I think it's great, all the things that you're doing, so I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Wasn't that a great conversation with Joy? She was just so kind, and I really appreciated her taking the time to sit down with me. The way she shared about how long all of their process took, three and a half years just to get matched, and another nine months before they were able to bring their little guy home. She shared how she learned to wait as a family and learned to trust in the Lord as well. And the way Joy opened up about how things have not gone exactly the way she envisioned as all of us. There's disappointments along the way, and she even felt like giving up. 
So I really appreciate Joy sharing. And, you know, she talked about George Mueller as well. And then after I finished the conversation, I started researching him. So interesting. I'm going to link his book or book about him and all the orphan care that he did in Bristol, England. It's very interesting if you get a chance. In the meantime, this is our last episode, as I mentioned before, and we have just finished episode 17. This is crazy. It's gone so fast. Well, 2020 has not necessarily gone so fast, but (laughs) the podcast is really been great for me. It's been a great distraction. I would just want to say thank you guys so much for all of you out there who have listened, sent encouraging messages, and shared the podcast with your friends and family. So many of you have reached out to me with suggestions of adoptive families that you know, and I've sat down with so many new people. It's been great. So keep them coming. 2020, guys, has been a really weird year. We've all been changed in some way this year. We've had friends and relatives who've maybe been dangerously ill or even died. We have lost loved ones, but most of all, we've spent more time in isolation. We're anxious, nervous, unsure of the future. But as we think about the season that we're in and all that God has done for us, I just want to leave you with a verse that I read this morning in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Yes, we do have hope in a future and it's not going to disappoint us. It may not be what we expect, but it's going to be great. So here's to a great 2021 and we'll see you guys in the new year with some awesome interviews. You're going to love it. Until then, let's all keep adopting it forward. And Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for listening. Can you do me a huge favor? If you're enjoying the adoption stories, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode which drops every Wednesday. It would also really help if you could leave a positive review. Five stars if you've got them. Do you or someone you know have an adoption story to tell? Please reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or through our website at largeentrywilliams.org. You can also find our show notes there. Today's show was edited by Will Rice. The whole thing was put together by my favorite guy, Stan. The website, largeentrywilliams.org, is managed by Leslie Serrano. Unconditional love and occasional mischief provided by Golden Doodles, Gus and Coach. Thanks again for listening. Let's encourage each other as we are adopting it forward.